Section eight of the Notebooks of Samuel Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. The Notebooks of Samuel Butler, edited by Henry Festing Jones. Chapter eight mind and matter motion we cannot define either motion or matter but we have certain rough and ready ideas concerning them which right or wrong we must make the best of without more words for the chances are ten to one that attempted definition will fuzz more than it will clear roughly matter and motion are functions one of another as are mind and matter they are essentially concomitant with one another and neither can vary but the other varies also you cannot have a thing matter by itself which shall have no motion in it nor yet a thing motion by itself which shall exist apart from matter you must have both or neither you can have matter moving much or little and in all conceivable ways but you cannot have matter without any motion more than you can have motion without any matter that is moving its states its behaviour under varying circumstances that is to say the characteristics of its motions are all that we can cognise in respect of matter we recognise certain varying states or conditions of matter and give one state one name and another another as though it were a man or a dog but it is the state not the matter that we cognise just as it is the man's moods and outward semblance that we alone note while knowing nothing of the man of matter in its ultimate essence and apart from motion we know nothing whatever as far as we are concerned there is no such thing it has no existence for de non apparentibus et non existibus idem est ratio a est ratio it is a mistake therefore to speak about an eternal unchangeable underlying substance as i am afraid i did in the last pages of luck or cunning but i am not going to be at the trouble of seeing for if the substance is eternal and unknowable and unchangeable it is tantamount to nothing nothing can be nearer non-existence than eternal ableness unknowableness and unchangeableness if on the other hand the substance changes then it is not unknowable or uncognizable for by cognizing its changes we cognize it changes are the only things that we can cognize besides we cannot have substance changing without condition changing and if we could we might as well ignore condition does it not seem as though since the motions or states are all that we cognize they should be all that we need take account of change of condition is change of substance then what do we want with substance why have two ideas when one will do i suppose it has all come about because there are so many tables and chairs and stones that appear not to be moving and this gave us the idea of a solid substance without any motion in it 
how would it be to start with motion approximately patent and motion approximately latent absolute patency and absolute latency being unattainable and lay down that motion latent as motion becomes patent as substance or matter of chair and table order and that when patent as motion is as latent as matter and substance i am only just recovering from severe influenza and have note i have been writing nonsense matter and mind one people say we can conceive the existence of matter and the existence of mind i doubt it i doubt how far we have any definite conception of mind or of matter pure and simple what is meant by conceiving a thing or understanding it when we hear of a piece of matter instinct with mind as protoplasm for example there certainly comes up before our closed eyes an idea a picture which we imagine to bear some resemblance to the thing we are hearing of but when we try to think of matter apart from every attribute of matter and this i suspect comes ultimately to apart from every attribute of mind we get no image before our closed eyes we realise nothing to ourselves perhaps we surreptitiously introduce some little attribute and then we think we have conceived of matter pure and simple but this i think is as far as we can go the like holds good for mind we must smuggle in a little matter before we get any definite idea at all two matter and mind are as heat and cold as life and death certainty and uncertainty union and separateness there is no absolute heat life certainty union nor is there any absolute cold death uncertainty or separateness we can conceive of no ultimate limit beyond which a thing cannot become either hotter or colder there is no limit there are degrees of heat and cold but there is no heat so great that we cannot fancy its becoming a little hotter that is we cannot fancy its not having still a few degrees of cold in it which can be extracted heat and cold are always relative to one another they are never absolute so with life and death there is neither perfect life nor perfect death but in the highest life there is some death and in the lowest death there is still some life the fraction is so small that in practice it may and must be neglected it is neglected however not as of right but as of grace and the right to insist on it is never finally and indefeasibly waived three an energy is a soul a something working in us as we cannot imagine heat apart from something which is hot nor motion without something that is moving we so cannot imagine an energy or working power without matter through which it manifests itself on the other hand we cannot imagine matter without thinking of it as capable of some kind of working power or energy we cannot think of matter without thinking of it as in some way ensouled for matter and mind form one another i e they give to one another the form in which we see them they are the helpmeets to one another that cross each other and undo each other and in the undoing do and in the doing undo and so seesaw ad finitum organic and inorganic animals and plants cannot understand our business so we have denied that they can understand their own what we call inorganic matter cannot understand the animals and plants business we have therefore denied that it can understand anything whatever 
what we call it in organic is not so really but the organisation is too subtle for our senses or for any of those appliances with which we assist them it is deducible however as a necessity by an exercise of the reasoning faculties people look at glaciers for thousands of years before they found out that ice was a fluid so it has taken them and will continue to take them not less before they see that the inorganic is not wholly inorganic the power to make mistakes this is one of the criteria of life as we commonly think of it if oxygen could go wrong and mistake some other gas for hydrogen and thus learn not to mistake it any more we should say oxygen was alive the older life is the more unerring it becomes in respect to things about which it is conversant the more like in fact it becomes to such a thing as the force of gravity both as regards unerringness and unconsciousness is life such a force as gravity in process of formation and was gravity once or rather were things once liable to make mistakes on such a subject as gravity if any one will tell me what life is i will tell him whether inorganic life is alive or not the omnipresence of intelligence a little while ago no one would admit that animals had intelligence this is now conceded at any rate then vegetables had no intelligence this is being fast disputed even darwin leans towards the view that they have intelligence at any rate then the inorganic world has not got an intelligence even this is now being denied death is being defeated at all points no sooner do we think we have got a bona fide barrier than it breaks down the divisions between varieties species genus all gone between instinct and reason gone between animals and plants gone between man and the lower animals gone see ere long the division between organic and inorganic will go and will take with it the division between mind and matter the superorganic kingdom as the solid inorganic kingdom supervened upon the gaseous vestiges of the old being nevertheless carried over into and still persisting in the new and as the organic kingdom supervened upon the inorganic vestiges of the old being again carried over into and still persisting in the new so a third kingdom is now in process of development the superorganic of which we see the germs in the less practical and more emotional side of our nature man for example is the only creature that interests himself in his own past or forecasts his future to any considerable extent this tendency i would see as the monad of a new regime a regime that will be no more governed by the ideas and habits now prevailing among ourselves than we are by those still obtaining among stones or water nevertheless if a man be shot out of a cannon or fall from a great height he is to all intents and purposes a mere stone place anything in circumstances entirely foreign to its immediate antecedents and those antecedents become non-existent to it it returns to what it was before they existed to the last stage that it can recollect as at all analogous to its present feeling man is a substance he knows not what feeling he knows not how a rest and unrest that he can only in part distinguish he is a substance feeling equilibrium or want of equilibrium 
that is to say he is a substance in a statical or dynamical condition and feeling the passage from one state into the other feeling is an art and like any other art can be acquired by taking pains the analogy between feelings and words is very close both have their foundation in volition and deal largely in convention as we should not be word-ridden so neither should we be feeling-ridden feelings can deceive us they can lie they can be used in a non-natural artificial sense they can be forced they can carry us away they can be restrained when the surroundings are familiar we know the right feeling and feeling it accordingly or if we that is the central government of our personality do not feel it the subordinate departmental personality whose business it is feels it in the usual way then goes on to something else when the surroundings are less familiar and the departmental personality cannot deal with them the position is reported through the nervous system to the central government which is frequently at a loss to know what feeling to apply sometimes it happens to discern the right feeling and apply it sometimes it hits upon an inappropriate one and is thus induced to proceed from solecism to solecism till the consequences lead to a crisis from which we recover and which then becoming a leading case form one of the decisions on which our future action is based sometimes it applies a feeling that is too inappropriate as when the position is too horribly novel for us to have had any experience that can guide the central government in knowing how to feel about it and this results in a cessation of the effort involved in trying to feel hence we may hope that the most horrible apparent suffering is not felt beyond a certain point but is passed through unconsciously under a natural automatic anaesthetic the unconsciousness in extreme cases leading to death it is generally held that animals feel it will soon be generally held that plants feel after that it will be held that stones also can feel for as no matter is so organic that there is not some of the inorganic in it so also no matter is so inorganic that there is not some of the organic in it we know that we have nerves and that we feel it does not follow that other things do not feel because they have no nerves it only follows that they do not feel as we do the difference between the organic and the inorganic kingdoms will some day be seen to lie in the greater power of discriminating its feelings which is processed by the former both are made of the same universal substance but in the case of the organic world this substance is able to feel more fully and discreetly and to show us that it feels animals and plants as they advance in the scale of life differentiate their feelings more and more highly they record them better and recognize them more readily they get to know what they are doing and feeling not step by step only nor sentence by sentence but in long flights forming chapters and whole books of action and sensation the difference as regards feeling between man and the lower animals is one of degree and not of kind the inorganic is less expert in differentiating its feelings therefore its memory of them must be less enduring it cannot recognise what it could scarcely cognise one might as well for some purposes perhaps say at once 
as indeed people generally do for most purposes that the inorganic does not feel nevertheless the somewhat periphrastic way of putting it by saying that the inorganic feels but does not know or knows only very slightly how to differentiate its feelings has the advantage of expressing the fact that feeling depends upon differentiation and sense of relation inter se of the things differentiated a fact which if never expressed is apt to be lost sight of as therefore human discrimination is to that of the lower animals so the discrimination of the lower animals and plants is to that of inorganic things in each case it is greater discriminating power and this is mental power that underlies the differentiation but in no case can there be a denial of mental power altogether opinion and matter moral force and immaterial force do pass into one another a conflict of opinion often ends in a fight putting it the other way there is no material conflict without attendant clash of opinion opinion and matter act and react as do all things else they come in hand in hand out of something which is both and neither but so far as we can catch sight of either first on our mental horizon it is opinion that is the prior of the two moral influence the caracal lies on a shelf in its den in the zoological gardens quietly licking its fur i go up and stand near it it makes a face at me i come a little nearer it makes the worst face and raises itself up on its haunches i stand and look it jumps down from its shelf and makes as if it intended to go for me i move back the caracal has exerted a moral influence over me which i have been unable to resist moral influence means persuading another that one can make that other more uncomfortable than that other can make oneself mental and physical pabulum when we go up to the shelves in the reading-room of the british museum how like it is to wasps flying up and down an apricot tree that is trained against a wall or cattle coming down to drink at a pool eating and proselytizing all eating is a kind of proselytizing a kind of dogmatizing and maintaining that the eater's way of looking at things is better than the eatee's we convert the food or try to do so to our own way of thinking and when it sticks to its own opinion and refuses to be converted we say it disagrees with us an animal that refuses to let another eat it has the courage of its convictions and if it gets eaten dies a martyr to them so we can only proselytize fresh meat the convictions of putrid meat begin to be too strong for us it is good for a man that he should not be thwarted that he should have his own way as far and with as little difficulty as possible cooking is good because it makes matters easier by unsettling the meat's mind and preparing it for new ideas all food must first be prepared for us by animals and plants or we cannot assimilate it and so thoughts are more easily assimilated that have been already digested by other minds a man should avoid converse with things that have been stunted or starved and should not eat such meat as has been overdriven or underfed or afflicted with disease nor should he touch fruit or vegetables that have not been well grown sitting quiet after eating is akin to sitting still during divine service 
so as not to disturb the congregation we are catechising and converting our proselytes and there should be no row as we get older we must digest more quietly still our appetite is less our gastric juices are no longer so eloquent they have lost their cogent fluency which carried away all that came in contact with it they have become sluggish and unconciliatory that is what happens to any man when he suffers from an attack of indigestion sea-sickness or indeed any other sickness is the inarticulate expression of the pain we feel on seeing a proselyte escape us just as we were on the point of converting it indigestion this as i have said above may be due to the naughtiness of the stiff-necked things that we have eaten or to the poverty of our own arguments but it may also arise from an attempt on the part of the stomach to be too damned clever and to depart from precedent inconsiderately the healthy stomach is nothing if not conservative few radicals have good digestions assimilation and persecution we cannot get rid of persecution if we feel at all we must persecute something the mere acts of feeding and growing are acts of persecution our aim should be to persecute nothing but such things as are absolutely incapable of resisting us man is the only animal that can remain on friendly terms with the victims he intends to eat until he eats them matter infinitely subdivisible we must suppose it to be so but it does not follow that we can know anything about it if it is divided into pieces smaller than a certain size and if we can know nothing about it when so divided then qua us it has no existence and therefore matter qua us is not infinitely subdivisible differences we often say that things differ in degree but not in kind as though there were a fixed line at which degree ends and kind begins there is no such line all differences resolve themselves into differences of degree everything can in the end be united with everything by easy stages if a way long enough and round about enough be taken hence to the metaphysician everything will become one being united with everything else by degrees so subtle that there is no escape from seeing the universe as a single whole this in theory but in practice it would get us into such a mess that we had better go on talking about differences of kind as well as of degree union and separation in the closest union there is still some separate existence of component parts in the most complete separation there is still a reminiscence of union when they are most separate the atoms seem to bear in mind that they may one day have to come together again when most united they still remember that they may come to fall out some day and do not give each other their full unreserved confidence the difficulty is how to get unity and separateness at one and the same time the two main ideas underlying all action are desire for closer unity and desire for more separateness nature is the puzzled sense of a vast number of things which feel they are in an illogical position and should be more either of one thing or the other than they are so they will first be this and then that and act and react and keep the balance as near equal as they can yet they know all the time that it isn't right 
and as they incline one way or the other they will love or hate when we love we draw what we love closer to us when we hate a thing we fling it away from us all disruption and dissolution is a mode of hating and all that we call affinity is a mode of loving the puzzle which puzzles every atom is the puzzle which puzzles ourselves a conflict of duties our duty towards ourselves and our duty as members of a body politic it is swayed by its sense of being a separate thing of having a life to itself which nothing can share it is also swayed by the feeling that in spite of this it is only part of an individuality which is greater than itself and which absorbs it its action will vary with the predominance of either of these two states of opinion unity and multitude we can no longer separate things as we once could everything tends towards unity one thing one action in one place at one time on the other hand we can no longer unify things as we once could we are driven to ultimate atoms each one of which is an individuality so that we have an infinite multitude of things doing as infinite multitude of actions in infinite time and space and yet they are not many things but one thing the atom the idea of an indivisible ultimate atom is inconceivable by the lay mind if we can conceive an idea of the atom at all we can conceive it as capable of being cut in half indeed we cannot conceive it at all unless we so conceive it the only true atom the only thing which we cannot subdivide and cut in half is the universe we cannot cut a bit off the universe and put it somewhere else therefore the universe is a true atom and indeed is the smallest piece of indivisible matter which our minds can conceive and they cannot conceive it any more than they can the indivisible ultimate atoms ourselves a string of young ducklings as they sidle along through grass beside a ditch how like they are to a single serpent i said in life and habit that a colossal being looking at the earth through a microscope would probably think the ants and flies of one year the same as those of the preceding year i should have added so we think we are composed of the same cells from year to year whereas in truth the cells are a succession of generations the most continuous homogeneous things we know are only like a lot of cowbells on an alpine pasture nerves and postmen a letter so long as it is connected with one set of nerves is one thing lose it from connection with those nerves open your fingers and drop it in the opening of a pillar-box and it becomes part and parcel of another nervous system letters in transit you contain all manner of varied stimuli and shocks yet to the postman who is the nerve that conveys them they are all alike except as regards mere size and weight i should think therefore that our nerves and ganglia really see no difference in the stimuli that they convey and yet the postman does see some difference he knows a business letter from a valentine at a glance and practice teaches him to know much else which escapes ourselves who then shall say what the nerves and gangula know and what they do not know true to us as we think of a piece of brain inside our own heads it seems as absurd to consider that it knows anything at all as it seems to consider that a hen's egg knows anything 
but then if the brain could see us perhaps the brain might say it was observed to suppose that that thing could know this or that besides what is the self of which we say that we are self-conscious no one can say what it is that we are conscious of this is one of the things which lie altogether outside the sphere of words the postman can open a letter if he likes and know all about the message he is conveying but if he does this he is diseased qua postman so maybe a nerve might open a stimulus or a shock on the way sometimes but it would not be a good nerve nightshirts and babies on hindhead last easter we saw a family wash hung out to dry there were papa's two great nightshirts and mamma's two lesser nightgowns and then the children's smaller articles of clothing and mamma's drawers and the girls's drawers all full swollen with a strong northeast wind but mamma's nightgown was not so well pinned on and instead of being full of steady wind like the others kept blowing up and down as though she were preaching wildly we stood and laughed for ten minutes the housewife came to the window and wondered at us but we could not resist the pleasure of watching the absurdly lifelike gestures which the nightgowns made i should like a santa famiglia with clothes drying in the background a love story might be told in a series of sketches of the clothes of two families hanging out to dry in adjacent gardens then a gentleman's nightshirt from one garden and a lady's nightgown from the other should be shown hanging in a third garden by themselves by and by there should be added a little nightshirt a philosopher might be tempted on seeing the little nightshirt to suppose that the big nightshirts had made it what we do is much the same for the body of a baby is not much more made by the two old babies after whose pattern it has cut itself out than the little nightshirt is made by the big ones the thing that makes either the little nightshirt or the little baby something about which we know nothing whatever at all our organism man is a walking toolbox manufactory workshop and bazaar worked from behind the scenes by something or something that we never see we are so used to never seeing more than the tools and these work so smoothly that we call them the workman himself making much the same mistake as though we should call the saw the carpenter the only workman of whom we know anything at all is the one that runs ourselves and even this is not perceivable by any of our gross palpable senses senses seem to be the link between mind and matter never forgetting that we can never have either mind or matter pure and without alloy of the other beer and my cat spilt beer or water seems sometimes almost human in its uncertainty whether or no it is worth while to get either such a little nearer to the earth's centre by such and such a slight trickle forward i saw my cat undecided in his mind whether he should get up on the table and steal the remains of my dinner or not the chair was some eighteen inches away from its back towards the table so it was a little troublesome for him to get his feet first on the bar and then on the table he was not at all hungry but he tried so it would not be quite easy and gave it up then he thought better of it 
and tried again and saw again that it was not at all perfectly plain sailing and so backwards and forwards with the first he would and then he wouldn'tism of a mind so nearly in equilibrium that a hair's weight would turn the scale one way or the other i thought how closely it resembled the action of beer trickling on a slightly sloping table the union bank there is a settlement in the union bank building chancery lane which has made three great cracks in the main door steps i remember these cracks more than twenty years ago just after the bank was built as mere thin lines and now they must be some half an inch wide and are still slowly widening they have altered very gradually but not an hour or a minute has passed without a groaning and travailing together on the part of every stone and piece of timber in the building to settle how a modus vivendi should be arrived at this is why the crack is said to be caused by a settlement some part of the building willing this and some that and the battle going on as even the steadiest and most unbroken battles must go by fits and starts which though to us appearing as an even tenor would if we could see them under a microscope prove to be a succession of bloody engagements between regiments that sometimes lost and sometimes won sometimes doubtless strained relations have got settled by peaceful arbitration and reference to the solicitors of the contending parts without open visible rupture at other times again discontent has gathered on discontent as a snow upon a subalpine slope flake by flake till the last is one too many and the whole comes crashing down whereon the cracks have opened some minute fraction of an inch wider of this we see nothing all we notice that a score of years has gone by and that the cracks are rather wider so doubtless if the materials of which the bank is built could speak they would say they knew nothing of the varied interests that sometimes coalesce and sometimes conflict within the building the joys of the rich depositor the anguish of the bankrupt are nothing to them the stream of people coming in and going out is as steady continuous a thing to them as a blowing wind or a running river to ourselves all they know or care about is that they have a trifle more weight of books and clerks and bullion than they once had and that this hinders them somewhat in their effort after a permanent settlement the unity of nature i meet a melancholy old savoyard playing on a hurdy-gurdy grisly dejected dirty with a look upon him as though the iron had long since entered into his soul it is a frosty morning but he has very little clothing and there is a dumb despairing look about him which is surely genuine there passes him a young butcher boy with his tray of meat upon his shoulder he is ruddy lusty full of life and health and spirits and he vents these in a shrill whistle which eclipses the hurdy-gurdy of the savoyard the like holds good with the horses and cats and dogs which i meet daily with flies in window-panes and with plants some are successful other have now passed their prime look at the failures per se and they make one very unhappy but it helps matters to look at them in their capacities as part of a whole rather than as isolated i cannot see things round about me without feeling that they are all parts of one whole which is trying to do something 
it has not perhaps so perfectly clear idea what it is trying after but it is doing its best i see old age decay and failure as the relaxation after effort of a muscle in the corporation of things or as a tentative effort in a wrong direction or as the dropping off of particles of skin from a healthy limb this dropping off is the death of any given generation of our cells as they work their way nearer and nearer to our skins and then get rubbed off and go away it is as though we sent people to live nearer and nearer the churchyard the older they grew as for the skin that is shed in the first place it has had its turn in the second it starts anew under fresh auspices for it can at no time cease to be part of the universe it must always live in one way or another croesus and his kitchen maid i want people to see either their cells as less parts of themselves as they do or their servants as more croesus's kitchen maid is part of him bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh for she eats what comes from his table and being fed of one flesh are they not brother and sister to one another in virtue of community of nutriment which is but a thinly veiled travesty of descent when she eats peas with her knife he does so too there is not a bit of bread and butter she puts into her mouth nor a lump of sugar she drops into her tea but he knoweth it altogether nothing whatever about it she is increased and he and scullery made it so long as she remains linked to him by the golden chain which passes from his pocket to hers and which is greatest of all unifiers true neither party is aware of the connection at all as long as things go smoothly croesus no more knows the name of or feels the existence of his kitchen-maid than a peasant in health knows about his liver nevertheless he is awakened to a dim sense of an undefined something when he pays his grocer or his baker she is more definitely aware of him than he of her but it is by way of an overshadowing presence rather than a clear and intelligent comprehension and though croesus does not eat his kitchen-maid's meals otherwise than vicariously still to eat vicariously is to eat the meals so eaten by his kitchen-maid nourish the better ordering of the dinner which nourishes and engenders the better ordering of croesus himself he is fed therefore by the feeding of his kitchen-maid and so with sleep when she goes to bed he in part does so too when she gets up and lays the fire in the back kitchen he in part does so he lays it through her and in her though knowing no more what he is doing than we know when we digest but still doing it as by what we call a reflex action qui facit per alium facit per se and when the back kitchen fire is lighted on croesus's behalf it is croesus who lights it though he is all the time fast asleep in bed sometimes things do not go smoothly suppose the kitchen-maid to be taken with fits just before dinner-time there will be a reverberating echo of disturbance throughout the whole organization of the palace but the oftener she has fits the more easily will the household know what it is all about when she is taken with them 
on the first occasion lady croesus will send some one rushing down into the kitchen there will in fact be a general flow of blood i e household to the part affected that is to say to the scullery maid the doctor will be sent for and all the rest of it on each repetition of the fits the neighbouring organs reverting to a more primary undifferentiated condition will discharge duties for which they were not engaged in a matter for which no one would have given them credit and that disturbance will be less and less each time till by and by at the sound of the crockery smashing below lady croesus will just look up to papa and say my dear i am afraid sarah has got another fit and papa will say she will probably be better again soon and will go on reading his newspaper in course of time the whole thing will come to be managed automatically downstairs without any reference either to papa cerebrum or to mamma the cerebellum or even to the medulla oblongata the housekeeper a precedent or routine will be established after which everything will work quite smoothly but though papa and mamma are unconscious of the reflex action which has been going on within their organisation the kitchen-maid and the cells in her immediate vicinity that is to say her fellow-servants will know all about it perhaps the neighbours will think that nobody in the house knows and that because the master and mistress show no sign of disturbance therefore there is no consciousness they forget that the scullery-maid becomes more and more conscious of the fits if they grow upon her as they probably will and that croesus and his lady do show more signs of consciousness if they are watched closely than can be detected on first inspection there is not the same violent perturbation that there was on the previous occasions but the tone of the palace is lowered a dinner party has to be put off the cooking is more homogeneous and uncertain it is less highly differentiated than when the scullery maid was well and there is a grumble when the doctor has to be paid and also when the smashed crockery has to be replaced if croesus discharges his kitchen maid and gets another it is as though he cut out a small piece of his finger and replaced it in due course by growth but even the slightest cut may lead to blood poisoning and so even the dismissal of a kitchen-maid may be big with the fate of empires thus the cook a valued servant may take the kitchen-maid's part and go too the next cook may spill the dinner and upset croesus's temper and from this all manner of consequence may be evolved even to the dethronement and death of the king himself nevertheless as a general rule an injury to such a low part of a great monarch's organism as a kitchen-maid has no important results it is only when we are attacked in such vital organs as the solicitor or the banker that we need to be uneasy a wound in the solicitor is a very serious thing and many a man has died from failure of his bank's action it is certain as we have seen that when the kitchen-maid lights the fire it is really croesus who is lighting it but it is less obvious that when croesus goes to a ball the scullery-maid goes also still this should be held in the same way as it should be also held, held that she eats vicariously when croesus dines 
for he must return the balls and the dinner parties and this comes out in his requiring to keep a large establishment whereby the scullery maid retains her place as part of his organism and is nourished and amused also on the other hand when croesus dies it does not follow that the scullery maid should die at the same time she may grow a new croesus as croesus if the maid dies will probably grow a new kitchen maid croesus's son or successor may take over the kingdom and palace and the kitchen maid beyond having to wash up a few extra plates and dishes at coronation time will know little about the change it is as though the establishment had its hair cut and its beard trimmed it is smartened up a little but there is no other change if on the other hand he goes bankrupt or his kingdom is taken from him and his whole establishment is broken up dissipated at the auction mart then even though not one of its component cells actually dies the organism as a whole does so and it is interesting to see that the lowest least specialized and least highly differentiate parts of the organism such as the scullery maid and the stable boys most readily find an entry into the life of some new system while the more specialized and highly differentiated parts such as the steward the old housekeeper and still more so the librarian or the chaplain may never be able to attach themselves to any new combination and may die in consequence i heard once of a large builder who retired unexpectedly from business and broke up his establishment to the actual death of several of his older employees so a bit of flesh or even a finger may be taken from one body and grafted on to another but a leg cannot be grafted if a leg is cut off it must die it may however be maintained that the owner dies too even though he recovers for a man who has lost a leg is not the man he was End of section eight.